So what I was thinking of, and I've been kind of like, you know, combating stuff. I try to really listen to what other people say and try on their truths because I believe like we all have different truths. So I try to hear what everyone is saying first without condemning or judging or trying to verify if it's real, but just take it in at first. And that goes from personal knowledge to what people say about God. I think I, I get the most disturbed when I think people portray my God in a way that I don't think he is, um, or at least not that I have experienced him to be. And that's when I think I get a little far more, um, my feathers get a little raised up because, you know, I like my Jesus and I hate for him to be portrayed in a way that I think is false, right? So I was, you know, like I've really been struggling with that and just watching how other people oftentimes witness to others and what people put out there about who God is and the over condemning, judging, berating, aggressiveness, you know, that we often put in the name of God, and I, I, I just don't know him to be that. So I, I, I struggle with, you know, maybe it's me, because I'm always willing to see if it's me first. So I thought I had to go examine it to see if it was me. And I'm learning, you know, just because someone has a different truth doesn't mean that it's not truth, Absolutely. right? But when we come to Christ and we come to the scriptures, we can become very certain that they are all truth, right? We believe that. They are all truth even if we don't know them to be truth personally. True. And I think sometimes that point gets us in trouble. I think what we say that we want to be true witnesses for Christ. We want to be a credible witness. Right, because none of us want to, I mean, that's part of the persona we try to put on as Christians so that we can try to be credible. Um, we want people to believe our account of the scriptures and what we have experienced. However, the account of the scriptures and what we have experienced is really two different things. I can say that I believe the Bible is inspired by Christ and that it is truth. But if we are honest, we cannot say we have experienced all the truths of the Bible. So a witness is an individual who is present, personally sees or perceives a thing, a beholder, a spectator, or an eyewitness. A witness is powerful because you know that they have experienced something personally and they have been a part of the case. We are attempting to be witnesses, but much of our testimony is mere hearsay. And hearsay is not permissible in court. So our life, our tests, our trials, our joys, our victories are all here to make us witnesses for Christ and his work. In a court case, the witness does not have to have knowledge of the entire case. They are there to testify to what they have seen and experience firsthand. So the court and most folks don't accept hearsay as pure truth. Too much of our walk with Christ and our relationship with Christ has been based on hearsay. We need to just hush until we become a true witness. We need to learn to only testify to what we have firsthand knowledge of. We have often perjured ourselves to look more like Christians, and those lies have hurt the cause of Christ. A false witness can have a very damning effect. We have to make sure that our lives are of a true witness. I cannot think I can quote the Bible and witness for Christ, and my life is full of falsity and devilment. So when my speech and my life do not add up, I am a false witness, and I need to repent and change my ways. You are not effective, and you are damaging more people when you are a false witness. So I'm going to go through a few scriptures about what a false witness is. And Proverbs has like seven of them. 
So I'm going to read them through, and then I'm going to go through, and we're going to look at some commentary on it just to give us a little extra clarity, okay? So the first one, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. It says, there are six things that the Lord hates, even seven that are disgusting to him. An arrogant eye, a lying tongue, hands that kill innocent people, a man devising wicked plans, feet that are quick to do wrong, a dishonest witness spitting out lies, and a person who spreads conflict among relatives. Now, one day I'm going to go back and really do all six of those because it's amazing how we don't really ever talk about these in, in fullness. We just kind of skip over them and concentrate on other stuff. But this is, he hates. Hates. You know, that's, woo. Yeah. So Proverbs 12, 17 through 18. It says, a truthful witness speaks honestly, but a lying witness speaks deceitfully. Careless words stab like a sword, but the words of wise people bring healing. Proverbs 14 and 5. A trustworthy witness does not lie, but an honest witness breathes lies. Verse 25. An honest witness saves lives, but one who tells lies is dangerous. Proverbs 19 and 5. A lying witness will not go unpunished. One who tells lies will not escape. Verse 9. A lying witness will not go unpunished. One who tells lies will die. Proverbs 21, 28 through 29. A lying witness will die, but a person who listens to advice will continue to speak. A wicked person puts up a bold front, but a decent person's way of life is his own security. So again, I want to go over some commentary over that, and then we're going to further explore this. So one of the commentary for Proverbs 6 and 19 says, a false witness is a particular manifestation of a lying tongue. It blows out or breathes out lies. Like you just breathing falsehood. Then we all know some folks like that. We just want to make sure we ain't one of them. And uh, Proverbs 12, 17 through 18, uh, the commentary says, A faithful witness is praised for being an honest man. He that makes conscious of speaking truth and representing everything fairly to the best of his knowledge, whether in judgment or in common conversation, whether he be upon his own oath, he shows forth righteousness. He makes it to appear that he is governed and motivated by the principles and laws of righteousness, and he promotes justice by doing honor to it and serving the administration of it. A false witness condemned for a cheat, he shows for deceit, not only how little conscious he makes of, of deceiving excuse me, those he deals with, but how much pleasure he takes in it, and that he is possessed by a lying spirit. We are all concerned to possess ourselves with a dread and abomination of the sin of lying, and with, re with reigning principle of honesty. Verse 18, where it says, there is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. So the tongue is death or life. It's poison or it's medicine. You get to choose. There are words that are cutting and killing that are like piercing of a sword. Contemptuous words grieve the spirit of those to whom they are spoken and cut them to the heart. So you have to be careful that even when you're going out saying that you're supposedly speaking for Christ, if you're cutting people and you're wounding people, something about that's not really about God. You know, we got to think about that. Slanders like a sword wound the reputation of those of whom they are uttered and perhaps incurably. 
whispering and evil surmises like a sword, divide and cut asunder the bounds of love and friendship, and separate those that have been dearest to each other. There are words that are curing and healing. The tongue of the wise is health, closing up those wounds which the backbiting tongue had given, making all whole again, restoring peace and accommodating matters and variance and persuading to reconciliation. Wisdom will find out proper remedies against the mischief that are made by disparagement and evil speaking. And sometimes we wonder why some relationships cannot be brought back together because it has been wounded and sometimes there's not a cure for it. So we are responsible for the words that we speak. We are responsible for what we say about others when they're not around because that stuff comes back and once you have killed something, it's over. So what we're speaking has, and we know we throw this scripture around, the, you know, the, the powers in the tongue of death and life. I think we sometimes don't really take that to the extent of what it really is. Like our words are extremely powerful. The, the power behind which you can deliver to somebody can either free them or bind them. You know, and, and if, if you look around your own life, you know, what are you giving to people? Are people freer around you or do they seem more bound? Are you providing health or are you providing poison? Because we should be really in the business of making people more healthy. So if you're just around a bunch of sick people, then you need to find some health. And health can come in the, in the matter of words. You know, when you have a good conversation with somebody and you're like, well, that was nice. You know, you get off, you feel a little lighter. You feel like, well, that was beautiful. And then you have some conversations. And you just are just, I mean, bothered for hours afterwards. Or even days sometimes. You're just like, well, that was awful. They just didn't put all they mess on top of you. And you're just walking around just as bummed. We have power. And this is a representation of what kind of witness you are. He's linking that together. So Proverbs 14 and 5, where it says, A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. And I think we've come, we've gotten so accustomed to lying. Like, lying is really not, it should be, but we tell the truth. Lying is really not that big of a deal because it slips out so quickly. You don't even have to think sometimes and you didn't told a lie. And very few people will go back and correct the lie they didn't told. Because it's like, oh, I want to, you know, you just say, Lord, forgive me. But we don't really, we don't really want to put ourselves out there and say, well, you know what I said wasn't the truth. You know, I didn't, even if you didn't do it on purpose, let me tell you that wasn't the truth what I said to you. Forgive me for that. We don't do that because we don't honor words like that, you know. But we're here. He's saying that we don't want to be people that breathe lies. Because if you go back and really think about everything you say, that's a lot to think about. It's a lot to say. Did I tell a fib? Because a fib is a nice way of saying a big fat lie. <laughs> Makes you feel better. A little white lie. You know, just a, just a little one. I said I was fine when I really had a headache. You figure that's not really that big of a deal, right? We don't want to put that in the same category as something that's huge. You know what I'm saying? We want to keep them separate, but I, I don't think the good Lord keeps them separate. I think that he's kind of putting them kind of in the same boat because once you give yourself permission to tell a couple of little lies, uh, the devil's going to have the ability to come in and start giving you, what's that word, um, make you uh, desensitized to bigger lies. And it's just, a, it's kind of a fall down effect before you know you didn't turn into a liar. And then you don't want to tell it, so then you're covering up the lie that you told before, and then you just you just got a hot mess going. It's too much. 
You know, and then even like all of our persona, what are we putting out? What do we want people to think of us? Yeah. Is that the truth? Right. You know, I want to give off that I'm X, Y, and Z. Is that really who I am? Because if it's not, then we're lying. Yeah. Just showing up. Yeah. Sitting there, and the, you just lied sitting down. <laughs> you know, it's like we have to really think about what are we putting out in the world? Because yeah, we all want to be looked at as, as good, strong, you know, concrete people that got it together. We're secure. You know, we feel like we're intelligent. We're, you know, beautiful. We just got all this. And a lot of times it's not the truth. I'm a hot mess behind the scenes. I'm a wreck. I'm, I'm worrying all the time. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. I got all this going on, and, but I don't really show anybody else that. So then what happens is then I get to know you, and I thought you were something else. Now, I didn't discover it. You wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I didn't want you. Now, I'm, I don't know if I want you. <laughs> you know, but all of that is what kind of witness are we? Not just just with our words speak, but who, what are we presenting? Oh, Lord, help us. So what here says in the administration of justice, much depends upon the witness. And therefore, it is necessary to the common good that witnesses be principled as they ought to be. A witness that is conscientious will not dare to give in a testimony that is in the bit least untrue, nor for goodwill or ill will. So we can't lie for the goodwill. And sometimes we can give ourselves a pass for that. You don't want to hurt folks' feelings. You don't want to cause a fight. You don't want to make somebody think something else about somebody else. You know what I mean? So we kind of cover stuff. We don't tell the full truth. The full one. So repre represent a thing otherwise and according to the best of our knowledge, whoever is pleased or displeased, and then judgment runs down like a river. So what kind of judgment will we get for the words that we speak? What kind of judgment will we get for the words that we didn't speak when we should have spoke? Hmm. But a witness that will be bribed and is biased and browbeaten will utter lies with a much readiness and assurance as if what he said was all true. So are you comfortable being a liar? Is it okay with you? Hmm. Proverbs 14 and 5, the verse says, A faithful witness will not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. A faithful witness will not lie. Um, he who is accustomed to the truth in private, you can depend upon him to tell the truth in public. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the problem is that in private, we're really liars. Mm. How we live when nobody sees us, mm -hmm. who we are with our family, with those closest to us. We sometimes can continue to perpetrate a lie. Well, then how the heck do you think you're going to give truth? when you get out in front of everybody else because your whole life is kind of dishonest. And the word utter lies, it, it means to breathe out lies again and again studiously. You are studying to lie. You have made a practice of it. And then you know, because there's some people that they lie so good that they almost... I don't know if they're deceived. I think that they, it just becomes second nature. They don't know truth. It's a scary thing. But, but I was going to say, too, even the person that when they witness, you know, if you witness to the truth, to, to, your, to the hurt, like just fully, and not just to an uncertain sentence, mm -hmm. but to the same person. Mm -hmm. If you witness and you tell the truth and you be you, sometimes that person will be branded as a rebellious. Because mm -hmm. you just speak and you're being honest. Right. You're being truthful. And you can do it out of love. Mm -hmm. But if you don't stick that little lie in there to make that person you witness to feel comfortable, wow. then you're rebellious. Mm -hmm. the, church, the whole church said, well, wow, that person is rebellious because you're telling the truth. Man, I like listening to this music, that music. 
you know, um, it's not good to do this and do that. If you tell the truth and then even confront the, the Christian, mm -hmm. then you rebel on oh, that person. Oh, he, you know, he rebellious. You got to watch him. He do. But in reality, that's the person that you want to know mm -hmm. and understand because they're wearing their heart out. You can see right. their heart. You can right. see the truth in them. Right. But they'd rather go with the liar right. because that's a comfortable person to be around. Yeah, yeah. truth is very uncomfortable. Truth is very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, truth is uncomfortable. And the reason why truth is uncomfortable, it shouldn't be uncomfortable. But it, it, the reason why it is is because we've built our world around lies. We just built it around it, and we've gotten so accustomed to falsity that the truth becomes like a sting when it should be a gift. In Proverbs 14 and 25, it says, A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. How much praise is due to a faithful witness? He delivers the souls of the innocent who are falsely accused in their good names, which are as dear to them as their lives. A man of integrity will venture the displeasure of the greatest to bring truth to light and rescue those who are injured by a falsehood. A faithful minister who truly witnesses for God against sin is thereby instrumental to deliver souls from eternal death. How little regard is to be had to a false witness. He forges lies and yet pours them out with the greatest assurance imaginable for the destruction of the innocent. It is therefore the interest of a nation by all means possible to detect and punish false witness bearing and lying in common conversation, for truth is the cement of society. And this is why our society is so crippled, because we have no foundation that is true anymore. Our cement is really just sand and lies. 14 and 25, it says, A true witness delivers souls, but a deceitful witness speaks lies. When men, in consequence of false suspicions or false accusations, fall into danger of their lives, then a tongue which pressed by conscientiousness and not deterred by cowardice will utter the truth and saves them. The problem is happens that when you get pressed to have to tell the truth is when you see what your true character is. Because when you know you're going to get slack, when you know that you're going to ruffle feathers, when you know you may shine a light on those that want to hold in high esteem, but you're going to go out and tell the truth, that shows you what kind of character you truly have. Because not many people will call it out when they know everything could fall on them. The whistleblower is a, is a, is a courageous person. He's a courageous person to say, all this you thought, was a complete lie. Mm -hmm. And look how many people the whistleblower saves. Mm -hmm. They may receive a lot of detriment, but they have saved hundreds to thousands of lives. Mm -hmm. It says, but a false tongue is one who breathes out lies as mere deception, for he utters forth lies against better knowledge and must have a spiteful, deceitful purpose. So you cannot try to color your lie and make it seem like you're doing it for the benefit of somebody else, your purpose is to deceive and to hurt folks. Now, it may be to protect your own behind, but at any rate, you are deceiving someone else, which is going to hurt people. So we have become so accustomed to falsehood, we can scream and shout about many things, but if you really look at the worst of offenses... The foundation is usually a lie. Mm -hmm. If you look at murder, cheating, all the other things that people do, slander, you know, all the other things, a lie is always usually up underneath it. Yeah. You know, lying is just the worst thing ever. Yet we have made it be not a big deal. So, mm. so liars are of the devil, period. Okay, and we have to think about that when we lie. I am speaking for Satan. Mm. There's a whole nother way to look at, at, at a lie, you know. Um, in John 8, 44 through 45, 
it says you're from your father, the devil, and all you want to do is please him. He was the killer from the very start. He couldn't stand the truth because there wasn't a shred of truth in him. When the liar speaks, he makes it up out of his lying nature and fills the world with lies. So we have to be very careful about what we speak. And we have to be very careful about how we live. Does it line up to your speech? Proverbs 18 and 21 says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. So when it comes to us condemning and judging others, we must make sure we are not being false witnesses. Speaking death on someone can bring the condemnation of death on you. In the biblical days, if you charge someone with a crime and it was taken to court and they looked it out, you know, the hierarchy of that time went and found that what you said was a lie, you then received the punishment that you, that you wanted the other person to have. Right? No, what if that happened to us today? Good Lord. Um, Deuteronomy 19, 18 through 21, it says, The judges will investigate the case thoroughly. And if you had made a false accusation, you are to receive the punishment that the accused would have received. In this way, your nation will get rid of this evil. Then everyone else will hear what happened. They will be afraid and no one will ever do such an evil thing again. In such cases, show no mercy. The punishment is to be a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, and a foot for a foot. So if you go in making false accusation against people, we are not to show you mercy. Because this way we get rid of it. Now what if we conducted our lives that way? Just in our own little thing, you lie to me, we find it out, we put you on blast, and we tell you what it's about. People would stop lying to us. We would stop a certain amount of falsity that goes on. But <laughs> I'm just not going to say nothing in case, in case a lie slips out. I'm going to hush my mouth. Because <laughs> if you look at it, every sin has a lie attached to it. Every sin. There's not one sin without a lie attached to it. It's the foundation. Um, Luke 6, 37, it says, Judge not, neither pronouncing judgment or subjecting to criticism, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and pronounce guilty, and you will not be condemned and pronounced guilty. If you go to Matthew 7, 1 through 3, it says, Do not judge others so that God will not judge you. For God will judge you in the same way you judge others, and he will apply to you the same rules you apply to others. Which, that's a Selah moment. Because we, even us good folks, we got some rules we hold up to other folks, and we would not want the good Lord to hold it up to us. But he says, and if you're holding that up to somebody else, I'm going to hold that up to you. We would interact with people differently. We would watch what we say to people differently. Because if we're aware it or not, God's still doing it because he wrote it down. Just because you skipped over that verse don't mean it's not happening. So when we're critical of others, we got a long list of how people are X, Y, and Z. Would you want... God to hold that critical list to you. So if you can stand up to the same judgments and criticism that you cast on others, if you can't, then you should zip it because God is going to place that same judgment and criticism on you. That's why the golden rule is so powerful to treat others as you want them, you know, to be treated because God is going to treat you as you treat others. Hmm. Because that can be a scary thing. Because I don't want God to. I mean, maybe you can treat me bad if I treat you bad, but I don't want the good Lord to do it to me. So if you even take that to, take it to your marriage, how you treat your spouse is how God's going to treat you. 
how you treat your children is how God's going to treat you. That's a whole nother way of looking at life. You know, how I treat my friend is how God's going to treat me. What? Really, Lord? Now I got to go and repent for real because I, I, I don't want you to treat me maybe the way I'm treating other people. Ooh. Now, another thing when I was, you know, trying to work this whole thing out was if God waits for us to live out our appointed days, right? And then he judges us. Aren't we to do the same? Because judgments are final. When a judgment is placed on you, it's a final thing. Hebrews 9, 27 um, says, everyone must die once and after that, be judged by God. So God allows us to live our entire life because he knows we need some room, right? Before he places a judgment on us of heaven or hell. We often judge folks far too quickly. Now I can say I see X, Y, and C, but I, I'm putting a judgment, especially when we say you're going to go to hell. Oh, well, don't tell me that because I, I, I got tomorrow, maybe, if the good Lord, you know, sees fit. I, I may have another two or three, five, six, 20 years. Well, don't put me there yet. Give me a minute. I mean, you may want to say that after I hit the dirt, but right now I'm breathing. I got time. The Lord is with me. Wait a second. You know, you got to watch how you put stuff out there. You know, it's scary. Well, it's, it's, it's really based in, it's the, the putting that out there is to try to get people to quickly choose God. You know, it's, it's, I, I don't know if it's so much out of intentions of hurting, but it's, it's, oh, hurry up. Well, hell can happen, so hurry up and get to Jesus. Well, you know, I don't know if that's the way. So if we transition from being a false witness to trying to be a true witness, because that's what we're, the good Lord asked us to kind of do, which I hope is what our will, our will will be after we finish this. Um, but let's take a pause. Look, and just ask God to forgive us for being false witnesses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we've all been a false witness in some shape, form, or another. So, dear God, please forgive us as you enlighten us to see where our truth needs to be. Um, and let's, you know, try to examine what we say and how we live to see if the truth is what we are. So I want to use the example of Paul as a true witness. And I think we can learn something in his experience. So in Acts 22, Paul, this is when he is coming up against the Romans and he's giving them his testimony of what happened to him, right? Um, he lays out his experience of how he began to know the knowledge of God. He is witnessing to others about his experience. So if you pay close attention, he's given an account only of his experience. So I'm just going to pull out a few verses from 22. And 10 through 16, um, he's going over what his experience was. He said, I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And that very moment I could see him. Then he told me the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. So with that, we see that Paul did not try to convey the other apostles story. He conveyed his own. He spoke of his conversion and experience with God. The power was in the actual experience. You can retell someone's story, but it can never be told with the same passion and intensity as the one who experienced it. We must stop rushing people. Many have truly had, have not had an experience with God yet. Your witness is to further show the glory of God in this land. 
When we use scare tactics and manipulation to get people baptized, trying to receive the spirit, it often falls flat. Their foundation was not built properly. First, Paul was accosted by God. Then he was informed on the next step. Then someone was brought into his path to de deliver further instructions. His job was to be a witness to what he had seen and heard. Then it says, go be baptized. So all this happened before any baptism took part. And sometimes we want to just jump to baptism, but we need to first make sure the person was accosted by God. And then you were led into their life to speak the next step to them. And then allow them to come to the fullness of salvation. So then we know from Acts 2.38, once you receive baptism, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So, and of course, everyone's conversion is different. Of course, everyone doesn't look the same, but everyone's conversion must start with God accosting them. It has to start there. It has to start with God saying, I want you come my way. Now, whatever he puts in the path of how you finally get there is his choice, but it has to start with God. It cannot start with you. Not ready. Because we don't really trust God. Because if God has called someone and he they're already written down in the good book of life, they gonna get there. So Right. And it, he's gonna finish it. He's gonna do it. No matter how long it takes. He's going to do it because he's God and he gets to choose the time frame, you know, and because we're nervous and insecure about what's going on, then that's we putting off on other people. What's not truth, you know, right? It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith. Absolutely. 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 Because we don't really want the one plant and one waters yeah. and let God do the increase. I want to see that plant growing. And we all know plants grow really slow. You know what I mean? It takes a long time for a plant to become tall and everything. You get to water. Lord, if this plant don't hurry, we get to going. And we want to see it. And I want to say it was my testimony that made them say, oh, that's the Jesus. I'm going to jump on what you said and I'm going to run and tell it. And it doesn't usually, it's not supposed to be that way because we're not supposed to be trying to win people for ourselves. We're supposed to be winning people for God. So don't be a false witness by giving testimony to things you have not seen and heard. God is clear on his directions. If we are in tune with him, some of the folks you're witnessing to may not have been your person. That person was designated for somebody else and you didn't jump in someone else's lane. So you seek direction before you go on your sanctimonious quest. For supposedly winning souls for Christ. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It's not your person. Make sure it's your person. Because if it's your person, it is going to all work out right. If it's not your person, you may cause more harm because as the false witness, you're, you're putting out danger. That's dangerous to be a false witness. You're, you're, in, you're hurting someone's life. So we cannot be a witness to things we have not experienced. If you report on a finding that you don't really know, then your real truth becomes mixed with a lie, and then it all becomes suspect. So we often are baffled as to why people don't believe us. Because we think if we can fudge it a letter or share someone else's testimony, it'll be more powerful. But what it does is loses its power. So we want to act like we can stand as a witness to every account of the Bible or even every office of God. When we speak on these we have not experienced, we become false witnesses. We already covered the devastation that is coming for the false witness. We don't want to be in that group. So a lie can only bring forth death because the murderer from the beginning is breathing out his will in you. So what do you really know? What do you really know of God? What have you experienced? Just witness about those things. It will make your testimony much more powerful. Move away from generic speeches and prayers and quoting scriptures you don't really know or believe. Trust the testimony that God has given you to be powerful and your truth will be a healing and guide for someone else. Wait for new experiences and then share them as they come. Slow down and let your truth be your guide. So just give an account of what you know to be truth. Until you know it, just shh. And trust that God gave you enough for whatever's coming your way. He already gave you everything you need. You said you don't have to try to pull out. Then we sitting there going, oh, it's something, but just, just use the ones you know. The one that you know to be truth for you. You know, if you know people quote out stuff and, you know, uh, I will bless the Lord at all times. Well, you know, if you haven't been through a whole lot, you just maybe not want to say that. I'm a hope that we in such and such come, I'll be able to bless the Lord. I don't know it yet that I will be able to. I'm a hope and pray that in some point in time I will be able to say thank you, Jesus, no matter what comes. But you don't know yet. Yeah, everybody got a plan till they get hit. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so now once uh, we have our conversion experienced and are baptized and the Holy Spirit comes in, the Holy Spirit becomes our witness for who God is to us. It is constantly speaking truths to us about who God is who we are, because the Holy Ghost is going to tell you who you are, and then will often tell you, if you listen closely, who's around you, the good and the bad. So the Holy Spirit is that gift that keeps on giving, if we're just in tune to it. So Hebrews 10, 15 through 18 says, and the Holy Spirit also gives us his witness. First, he says, this is the covenant that I will make with them in the days to come, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he says, I will not remember their sins and evil deeds any longer. And ain't that a good God? I mean, good night. And you know, you say that, that you would encourage more folks to get the Holy Spirit if you would give them the truth of who the Spirit is. It's a powerful thing what the Spirit really is. Holy Spirit is here to testify to us about the truth and faithful witness Christ. He is a witness that has seen and experienced it all. He never lies. He never accuses us unfairly. He only speaks what is truth and mixes in grace, mercy, love, and kindness. He never leaves nor forsakes us. So when he gives us his final judgment, it will be factual and not hearsay. Now we're going to have to make sure that we're on the good side of the judgment. So are we so attuned to the spirit that we know what our judgment will ultimately be? What is God speaking to you now as to where you stand with him? 
in Jeremiah 42, 1 through 6, the people were asking Jeremiah to pray to God on their behalf. So they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us. If we don't do exactly what the Lord your God tells us to do, we will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you, whether it is good or bad. Yes, we will obey the Lord our God so that everything will go well for us. Can you stand and say this? Can you stand and say, God, be that true and faithful witness against me? And whatever your judgment is, be it good or bad, it is what it is. Can we be willing to surrender ourselves to the will of God, be it good or bad? Surrender ourselves. Are we willing to say, Lord, this life is just yours. And whatever you bring into it, I just give it all back to you. You lead me. You guide me. I give up all reins. It's a hard thing to do. It's easy to say in verbiage, but it's a very hard thing to do to live it out. Surrender is a hard thing. Our Lord is very clear on us being a true and faithful witness for him and for others. We can never ease up one bit as to accepting lies as truth. False witnesses will bring damnation on themselves. And I will end with these last scriptures that will remind us of who we are in Christ and the sacrifice he has done to give us the right standing with him. But also there's a warning because he always throws a warning into our foul behavior for us not to forget that God is serious about his business, yet knowing we are truly safe in him. So he gives us the warning to say, just don't screw up. He probably won't say those words, but don't mess up. Because if you mess up, I've got to hold on to my words because I can't lie. So I'm giving you the grace and the mercy and the kindness, and the, but don't mess it up. You know, she just send that, that grace shell about, God forbid, get a little more intimate with God so that you're not just throwing grace on top of your mess. It's offensive. So Hebrews 10, 22, it says, so let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith with hearts that have been purified from a guilty conscience and with bodies washed with clean water. Let us hold on firmly to the hope we profess because we can trust God to keep his promise. Let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and to do good. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of our Lord is coming near. For there is no longer any sacrifice that will take away sins if we purposely go on sinning after the truth has been made known to us. That's a hard one. That there's no more sacrifice if I keep sinning when I know I shouldn't sin? Yeah. Oh. So now that y'all know that we shouldn't be, you know, not that we didn't know, but the false witness thing. Don't mess up. Instead, all... <laughs> I don't know what else to say, right? Um, <laughs> instead, all that is left is to wait in fear for the coming judgment and the fierce fire, which will destroy those who oppose God. So though we're waiting in anticipation of the glory, if you know you're on the wrong side of the good Lord, you wait in fear because you know judgment is coming for you. Anyone who disobeys the law of Moses is put to death without any mercy when judged guilty from the evidence of two or more witnesses. What then of those who despise the son of God, who treat as a cheap thing the blood of God's covenant, which purified them from sin, who insults the spirit of grace? Just think how much worse is the punishment they will deserve. For we know who said, I will take revenge, I will repay. And who also said the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember how it was in the past. In those days after God's light had shone on you, you suffered many things, yet you were not defeated by the struggle. 
Don't lose your courage because it brings with it a great reward. You need to be patient in order to do the will of God and receive what he promises. For as the scripture says, just a little while longer and who he who is coming will come and he will not delay. My righteous people, however, will believe and live. But if any of them turns back, I will not be pleased with them. But we are not people who turn back and are lost. Instead, we have faith and are saved. And we've all read that before. But we've got to make this stuff become more alive. We've got to make it become a part of our being. And we've got to pray when we don't believe certain verses, Lord, give me an understanding and a believing heart so that I know it is truth. Because we do need to be able to try to witness on all things, but we cannot jump our gate. You know, the gate ain't even open. You're trying to run out. You keep hitting a block wall because it's not your time yet. If you think about the apostles, he set them all down before he sent them on their way. He was intimate and personal with them. He talked to them. He showed them who they were. If you haven't had those sessions, you probably should sit down and hush. Until you can really get a good idea of who Jesus is for you. Then you can go run and tell it. You don't want to be a false witness. It's a horrible thing to be. So let us continue to let the Holy Spirit witness to us as to whom we really are. And then have faith and trust in the provisions that God has made for us to boldly come to the throne and have our sins forgiven. Because remember, God is going to always show us our sin. He's going to always show us where we're falling short, where we're missing the mark. So if you're in tune, he's always telling you. He's telling you throughout the day. Uh, Yeah, that was wrong. You said that foully. I was counseling somebody and I had said something about what I won't tell the person business, but I was telling them something. I said, oh, you know, da, 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 da. And the Lord popped me upside my head in the middle of the night, woke me up. I had to text that, that young woman and I said, you know what? I repent before you. What I said was a lie. That's not trust that the Lord told me, you know, X, Y, and Z, and this is how you should look at it. But what I said wasn't the truth. So forgive me. But it, it's hard for people to do that. But I want God to always get the glory in whatever I do. Now, if that makes me look like a dummy having to text you back and say, you know what? That part I said was not the truth. And I didn't really want to because it's it's humbling. And sometimes we don't want to be that humble. You know what I mean? But I had to because I'm giving someone counsel. I God has put me in this position to try to lead people's lives. I can't just do it haphazardly because I'm embarrassed because I flipped off and said the wrong thing. I got to tell you that was wrong of me. So our whole, my whole plea with this is that we have to make sure that we are becoming true witnesses and that we are not false witnesses. Because who would have thought, like, we never call ourselves a false witness. You know what I mean? But dang, lying is a is a booger bear. Yeah. One of our biggest problems too is that. We want to be a witness for Christ, but we don't even really like the way we live Christian-wise, too. Like, we're upset about some of the do's and the don'ts that we can't do as a Christian or somebody else's um, conviction. So we, we, we're we mad. We feel like sometimes it's boring and, you know, we're the, the church sometimes is too strict on things. But with all of that on our mind, we want to go out there and witness to somebody to bring them into the church. Mm. So, you know, you have to think about right there. You made a false witness mm-hmm. right there. You're mm-hmm. not even really 100% sure on how What you're even saying. Yeah. Right. We'll come out too. Yeah. We can't. We can't. You know, so how can we go out there and witness? You know, and, and me and my wife always say, well, it's an abundant life. Like, we're supposed yeah. to still enjoy yeah. life down here. You know, right. and as a Christian, you're supposed to be happy. But why we go and see all these Christians like they chewing on rock? They got rocks in it, you know. And you're like, what? What are you upset? What you upset about? You know. So, but we want to go out there. We want to wait. Oh, come into this. Oh, don't worry about the angry people on the first five rows. Just come into this right here. 
So, so we're already being false witnesses, and we're not even enjoying Christ. Well, I think I think the biggest problem is we have not met God. I think that too many of us have been in a walk of Christianity, but we don't really know God. So how can I can give you the checklist? I can give you what everyone else says. I can give you all the scriptures and this is what the apostolic doctrine is and and this is that but I don't really know God so I haven't really had an experience to toil with him I haven't fought with God and your best experience of him truly changing your name is a fight you know if you see the people in the Bible they went through a struggle before the name got changed so you know it's not just about you dipping in the water and coming up hallelujah it's about you having a struggle with God you know what I mean so that you can say this is my God this is who I know God to be too many of us have put on the name of God but God didn't change our name so we need to make sure that God is calling us who we really are and not the old name But if you, but how can you introduce somebody that you don't know? So I carry her in there with her. Oh, sorry. And I think that goes back to a false witness because I'm introducing you not to what I should be introducing you to, but I'm introducing you to a way that I know. And I think that is that we haven't challenged our our salvation enough to say that we could have more because a lot of people think that is all there is. It's just that, you know, so it's, unf it's, it's sad. It is sad. It's sad that that's all, you know, you know, and that you haven't taken it further to try to find something deeper. Everyone did. If you look at everyone's account in the Bible, everyone fought. Absolutely. Yeah. Because no one, most people don't willingly want to walk into a fight. I mean, you just don't. And, and a lot of times we look at the stories of the Bible as stories, not as real lives of people that have went through this. You know, it's there to teach us something, but we read it like a novel. So we're not saying, man, it was a real Jacob. That was a real scoundrel that was really living their life <laughs> and he was clowning and grabbing stuff from folks and was a cheat. And for 20 years, he did all this foolishness, though he was blessed, though he had everything he wanted. He was still a grabber in God's eyes. And it took time for him to get to the point to where he could say, I'm not going to let go now until you bless me, because this is what I've been living it ain't working no more. I'm still, I'm still this grabber. I'm still this fighter. I'm still this trying to, you got to get tired of yourself. You know what I mean? You got to get tired of yourself. How do you get to new conversion is when you say, I'm tired. And this time, God, I've been fighting against you. Now I'm going to fight with you. And I'm going to wait for you to do something because I'm not letting go until you change who I used to be. Because there's a difference of fighting against someone and fighting with them. Right? It's different. And it's what happens if we bring it down to just a natural level. What happens often with our spouses is that we're fighting against them instead of fighting with them. Let's fight with each other in this to make it stronger instead of fighting me fighting against you thinking you're my enemy. You know? And that's what we got to do. And we can, we can talk a talk. And all that, but you see a difference from a Christian that has had a Gethsemane experience. Mm -hmm. 
and someone that has just been doing something. Yeah. So the questions that I want you guys to, to be able to take away with you are, how have you got to know God? What is your testimony of your personal God and who is God to you? Because until you know those things, that's the stuff you need to witness about.